are so thankful that you're here this morning and uh, just want to go ahead and um, get started with a few announcements. Um, if you would be interested at any point in it raining, just have me plan something. And uh, we had a Braves game planned, it rained. Went to Old McDermott's farm, it rained. Had our end of soccer banquet, it rained. And uh, it's raining. So, VBS party. party. You're taking me, you're remembering things I didn't even remember. It rained. Um, So, it's raining. And uh, it looks like it's going to rain pretty much all day. And so, we have made the decision to postpone our fall festival until Wednesday night. Um, I know that that's not going to be easy on everyone. Um, Trust me when I say that I would have rather it been tonight as planned. because I like to plan. Um, but it's just, I just don't think, we don't think as a staff and as leadership that it's wise to have it tonight with the chance of more rain and also with it being cold and damp and windy. And so we're going to move that back to Wednesday night. Now, I, I understand that that will mean that some of you who have signed up to help cannot make it. And I, I completely understand. I know many of you have made dishes already and done that kind of stuff. And I'm so sorry um, that we're having to do this. Um, but we just want, we want it to be an event for the community, and we feel like the community, um, it would be difficult for them to come out tonight with the, the weather the way it is. So we're going to move that back to Wednesday night. Um, we're going to do from 6 to 8 um, on Wednesday night, and um, we're going to just try to go with it. So I, th- I feel like the Lord's teaching me to, that my plans really don't matter in the long run. So um, we're going to do the best we can to make Wednesday night as 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 good as possible. So if you can still come and do a trunk or volunteer at a game, I greatly appreciate that. We still need you for that night. Um, but if you can't make it, of course, we understand. Um, but just want to go ahead and let that you all know that so we can go ahead and start telling people who you may have known who are coming and that type of stuff. So um, Wednesday night, Fall Festival from 6 to 8. Um, next Sunday night, we're going to have our student pumpkin smash. Um, that is for 6th to 12th graders, and it's exactly what it sounds like. We uh, go in down to the field and smash pumpkins. Uh, we're going to have devotions and food and all that kind of stuff, too, but it's always one of, the, one of our favorite events for our students. Yeah, if you want to bring your old pumpkins um, that are getting nasty or whatever, and we'll, we'll throw them in the woods and smash them and all that kind of stuff for you. So um, if you have any of those, you can bring them, put them outside the student building, and I'll grab them, and we'll smash them. Um, also another big event coming up for students is Reverb it is an all night event um, that takes place it's put on by Word of Life it's a November, Friday November 18th into Saturday November 19th um, there's a sign up sheet in the back for that there is um, a student information form for parents as well so if you have any questions about any of those students or kids events you can see me um, just a reminder that this morning we will take the Lord's Supper and uh, also, last year, if you remember, we did a um, Advent devotional that we printed off and, and had available for people. We're wanting to do that again this year, and we're wanting to add to it. So if you would like to write a little one-page devotion about something that the Lord's been teaching you, uh, something about one of your favorite Bible passages, um, if you'll type that up and send it to Neil or I, and uh, we will we'll compile those, and we're going to make a little booklet that people can read through for Advent. Um, and so we got a couple of weeks for that. So if, you would, if, you, if that's something you're interested in, just type something up 
and uh, send it to us, and we would love to include that in our Advent um, devotional that we're going to do here at the church. Um, Like I said, thank you guys for your flexibility. I know that things become difficult when they don't go the way that we've planned them, but we hope that we can continue to make that a great event, and we think this is the best way to do that. So, But as we begin this morning, um, we're going to ask Deacon Bill Grissett, if he'll come forward, he's going to read our call to worship. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 127. Um, It's up on the screen there for you. Uh, This is a great psalm. It's one of my favorites. And if you want to hear this psalm, um, you can go listen to a guy named Keith Green. He, He put this to music. It's called Unless the Lord Builds a House. But I'm going to read this, uh, this entire psalm. It's not a long one. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, and we just thank you that that you're a God who loves us, individually loves each one of us, Father. And Father, we just pray that that, that you would help us in, in a world filled with anxiety and just crazy things happening left and right, each of us, to begin to focus on you. Put that focus in you, Father, and just realize that you love us enough to want us to prosper, God. Father, we pray that you would help each of us to build our house according to you, Father, according to your statutes, according to your word, and so that that what we do isn't in vain, Father. Um, We pray that this church would do everything that we do according to your plan so that we would not be doing things in vain, Father. Uh, be with Neil today as, as he comes and brings the word, Father, uh, just to speak through him, God, sing through uh, all, of, all of those who are going to be singing. Uh, Father, just we pray that, that you would just uh, um, accept our, our humble worship, Father. God, you are an amazing God, Father. And, and as Bryson said, you know, we, 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 we make plans, but, and you allow it sometimes and sometimes you don't, Father. Um, But, Father, help us to always strive to be in your will, Father. We love you, we thank you, and just ask this in your name. Amen. If our youth band will go ahead and start heading up this way, it's your turn. Um, So as our... A few of our teenagers head up here. Um, This is our youth band that leads worship for us on Sunday nights over in the youth building. Um, We have been doing this for the last five and a half years, um, minus the time COVID shut down. That whole thing that we don't like to talk about. Um, (laughs) um, So Jake has been doing it with us from the very beginning when his octave, his voice was about an octave lower than it is now. Um, Brett started doing it with us a few years ago, and then Piper is a new addition to our worship team. So um, I'm thankful that they were willing to step up and help us lead worship for y'all this morning.
for all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. When death was rested, my life began. We're free, free forever. We're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. When death was arrested, my life began. When death was arrested, my life began. When death was arrested, my life began. Jesus, 
others, and yourself. That's how we live a joyful life. Thank you, Katrina, Stephanie, Children's Choir, as you continue to prepare for Christmas. What a, what a joy that will be. Okay, uh, we're going from Children's Choir to a child dedication. So I want to introduce to you this morning uh, Callie and Martin Harner. So Callie and Martin, if you would come forward, I will give them a little context. So many of you may remember one of the kindest, sweetest, most faithful uh, ladies in our church when I first got here was a woman named Miss Rebecca Hawkins. Remember Miss Rebecca Hawkins? She's what I call one of the originals. So Miss Rebecca Hawkins is smiling down from heaven today because this would be her granddaughter Callie and her husband Martin Harner. So Callie and Martin Harner have come today to dedicate this young fellow here, Harrison Paul Harner. He is 11 months old. He's a beautiful baby, isn't he? Two years ago, almost to this date, we had a wedding in Carrollton, and I was the officiant, and now we see what God has done to bless this young couple. So we um, also want to welcome today the Liston family, Chuck and Trish, and the Harner family. It's so good to, to see all of you again. So these parents, everyone, this morning have come to dedicate themselves and this child to God. So before God and this congregation, they have expressed to me the desire to uh, formally express their commitment to raise this child in a way which would honor the Lord. There is biblical precedence for this in the book of Samuel. If you remember, Hannah asked the Lord for a child. God blessed her with a child. And his name was Samuel, which means asked of the Lord, and she dedicated him to the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 is instructive for all of us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and all your strength. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and then you shall teach them diligently to your children. Hey, this is for all of us. Teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Amen. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word, to which we are all accountable as moms and dads. So I have previously gone through this with uh, Callie and Martin. This is not a wedding ceremony, which you did real well with, but this is a child dedication. But it's going to sound a lot like that because it involves personal commitment. Callie and Martin, do you today recognize that this child, this boy, is a gift from God? And do you give heartfelt thanks for God's blessing? Amen. Do you now dedicate your child to the Lord who gave him to you, surrendering all your worldly claims upon their lives in the hope that they will fully and wholly belong to God. Amen. Do you pledge as parents that with God's fatherly help, you will bring up your child in the discipline and nurture of the Lord, making every reasonable effort with patience and love, patience and love, uh, to build the word of God, the character of Christ, and the joy of the Lord into their lives. Amen. Do you promise to provide through God's help for the physical, emotional, intellectual and spiritual needs of your child. 
looking to your own heavenly Father for the wisdom, love, and strength to serve and shepherd him. Okay. Do you promise, with God's help, to make it your regular prayer that by God's grace your children will come to trust Christ alone for salvation and forgiveness of sin and in this faith follow Jesus as Lord and obey his teaching? We do. Amen. So this is not just a dedication or a commitment on their part. As you know, the life of the church is crucial in raising our children. So we have a family life, Pastor Bryson. We have Sarah Beth Bledsoe, our intern. And both of them are doing an outstanding job leading various parts of family life ministry. But all of us, all of us need to be involved and engaged in this. So let's stand. And when we have a young couple have a baby and they want to dedicate that baby to the Lord, all of us need to be participative through prayer and love and service uh, in their lives to help them. So do you, church, promise to support this family, Martin and Callie, and their baby boy in the important and difficult work of parenting through prayer and encouragement and love. If so, say we do. We do. May we pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of children. As Bill read, children are a gift from you. And when our quiver is full, Lord, what a joy. You've blessed us. You've blessed our church family, not with the child that's before us today from uh, Callie and Martin, but the children that just sang. Lord, we ask that you continue to bless them and grow them. What a joy it is to hear them sing about what, what it means to have joy in Christ. Put Jesus first, others second, and ourselves last. Well, that's difficult for us because we are all bent on self first. Show us the cross and the resurrection, which is the way to self-denial and following Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Callie and Martin, thank you so much. I do. Sarah Beth, will you grab that blue, the Bible and the certificate? Not the sermon notes. <laughs> he may, I don't know, they may could use those. I don't know. We'll see. Thank you, Sarah Beth. So we have a uh, dedication certificate and a Bible to present to Martin and Callie and uh, their precious baby boy. So let's, let's thank the Lord for him. All right. You may be seated. All right. Now, after you're seated, the youth praise band, y'all come back and let's stand and sing with them this song. I think it's something about the king. Let's sing with them. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned, and I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. Forgiven because you were forsaken. 
accepted you work in death I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again amazing love how can it be that you might should die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do to honor you. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again, amazing love seated. Um, thank you, youth choir, youth praise band. What a joy they were. Amen. And thank you, Brooke. 
Brooke had a birthday Friday. Yeah, I know. She looked up at me like, oh, you didn't have to tell them that. But we love you, Brooke, and grateful for your, your ministry here as well. Um, okay, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, week by week, verse by verse. And if you followed closely lately, you know that, did we not do something? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, at this point, children are released to go to children's church. Some of them couldn't wait to get out of here. Don't let any adults out, Bryson. I can see some of them are wanting to get out of here, too. Uh, grateful for our children's ministry. Okay, so we're following the story of Jesus. We're getting near the end of Luke. And I've tried to be real simple and real clear with the last few sermon titles. So we saw that Jesus was arrested. And we saw that Jesus was sentenced. Then the next week, Jesus is crucified. And this week, Jesus is buried. Jesus is buried. What do you think comes next week? He is risen, yeah. In November, okay, not, not in the spring when we normally celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the resurrection every day. It's a new day in Christ. But this morning we are in Luke 23, beginning with verse 50. Now, I'll be honest. I was tempted to just skip through the burial. But the Bible and life teach us that burials are extremely significant. I do many funerals, and I do many gravesides, participate in many burials. And let me just say that as time goes by, I've learned and grown to understand more and more that that moment in which a family has gone with a body as far as they can go. And they're there at that graveside. And that body is placed in the ground. And you're confronted with the finality. The finality of death. That that is a significant and powerful and moving moment. And, and the Bible doesn't brush through this. And so I'm not going to ignore this. We're going to spend some time... This morning, learning about the burial of Jesus. The burial of Jesus. So, let's pick up in Luke 23, 50. Now, I know that Luke doesn't want us to miss this because the first two words of verse 50 are, And behold. And behold. Luke has used this phrase a lot. And whenever he says, and behold, he's wanting us to pay careful attention to what comes next. So he says, and behold, there was a man named Joseph. Now, isn't this interesting that the Gospels begin with a man named Joseph? And Luke has come full circle and his Gospel is concluding with a man named Joseph. Joseph. He was a member of the council, that is the Sanhedrin. He was, listen y'all, he was a good and righteous man. 
He was a good and righteous man. Verse 51 is important. He had not consented to their plan and action. Now what Luke wants us to know is that the Sanhedrin was in favor of having Jesus arrested and crucified. But but what did Joseph vote? He either didn't go or he voted no. So things did not go his way. The outcome wasn't the outcome that he wanted. And Luke is clear that we should know that. I think that's so interesting because for many of us, when the outcome isn't what we want or when things don't go our way, we don't respond the way Joseph does. What does he do? Well, Luke tells us he's from Arimathea, which was a city of the Jews. But then he says this in verse 51. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. Look at this person. He's good, he's righteous, and he's waiting on something. The kingdom of God. In verse 52, this man went to Pilate, who was a big dude, okay? Very important, very powerful. At this point in his life, Joseph was, the other gospels tell us, a secret disciple for fear of the Jews. Now, before you judge him, you could all think of times in your life when peer pressure kept you from being bold for Christ. So before you get on your high horse and judge Joseph for his fear of the Jews and being a secret, I can think of times in my life when peer pressure was too much and I might might have been a bit embarrassed to be called Christian or to be called preacher or say what you will. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. One of the gospels implies he begged, he begged the body of Jesus. He is now willing to come out courageously and be bold and be identified with Christ and ask for the body of Jesus. I don't think we put ourselves in this context enough to realize how incredible this really was. He took the body down. As I've thought through this this week, this this was a mess. I mean, he was essentially cleaning up after a murder. Wasn't he? That's what this was. Cleaning up after a crucifixion. It would have been heavy. It would have been difficult. It would have been messy. Now, he did have a friend named Nicodemus who helped him. You know, the Gospels tell us. But I'm, I'm just trying to put us there so that we can get a feel for what, what really is, is entailed here in what Joseph did. Because he wants us to behold this and take from it what we are supposed to. Look at verse 53. So he took the body down and he wrapped it in a linen cloth. I don't know where your mind goes with this. But I could not help but think she wrapped the baby in cloths and placed him in a manger. That body is now full grown. That body has now been crucified. Look at at Joseph's care 
okay? Look at Joseph's care and love for this body, the body of Christ. And he laid him in a tomb, cut into a rock, where no one had ever lain before. You know what's interesting? Is that Jesus, we were told just a few weeks back, he rode a colt that had never been ridden before. And now he's being placed in a tomb that has been, is going to be borrowed just for a few days. Don't forget the whole story. And at the beginning of the gospel, there was a borrowed wound in which no one had ever been before. How utterly unique and different is Jesus Christ. There is no other. There is no other. Now, one of the gospels tell us, hey, Joseph was a rich man. He was very wealthy. Not everyone could afford to have a, uh, a, a personal tomb cut into a rock. But the Bible tells us that this was Joseph's own tomb. It was his tomb. He places the body of Jesus in the tomb that he had prepared for himself. Hey, another irony... <laughs> At the beginning of the gospel, Joseph found no room for Christ, no place for Christ in the end. But here we have a Joseph who says, I got a place. I have a place for Jesus. And it's right where I want to be. So this is a prepared place where no one had ever been. Then Luke tells us it was preparation day. Well, what in the world is preparation day? Sounds like something that you get where you get ready. <laughs> Prioritize and prepare. You're getting ready for something. And, and then he tells us what it is. It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath was waiting to begin. They have to prepare for the Sabbath. Listen, if every Saturday you had to take off and do nothing, no food, no, you, you wouldn't let it slip up on you. <laughs> You'd get ready. Now the women who had come with him, Jesus, out of Galilee, they followed after. Now notice what the women do. These women, they've been with him from the beginning and they follow him to the very end. And Joseph and Nicodemus are going ahead and they're watching Joseph and Nicodemus prepare the body and go into the tomb and so forth and so on. And these women come after and it says they saw the tomb and they saw how his body was laid. They saw Nick and Joe put this body in the tomb and they saw how it was laid. But then it says in verse 56, they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. Well, why did the women return and prepare spices and perfumes? Well, because they knew Nick and Joe wouldn't do it right. I don't know. I just had to throw that in there to keep you with me. No, they wanted it to be done right. They didn't want anything to be missed. They wanted full burial preparation to happen 
And even though Nicodemus brought with him, the Bible says, a hundred pounds of myrrh. A hundred pounds to put on the body of Christ. They, they, they said that when the tomb was open and empty, when, when, they, when they went into that tomb, the smell of myrrh must have been extremely powerful and strong in that tomb because of the amount that Nicodemus had brought. But it says they returned. These are the women. They returned and they got everything ready because they couldn't get it ready on the Sabbath because they were supposed to rest on the Sabbath. So why do they do this? Why don't they go back? It's, it's near sundown. Uh, darkness is falling. You could not leave a body hanging on a cross When darkness came, so they all had to hurry because Sabbath is coming. But then look at what it says in verse 56. On the Sabbath, they rested. Now, how can you rest at a time like this? They rested. Here's why they rested in the verse 56. According to the commandment, they rested because God commanded it, and they wanted to be obedient to God. Father, thank you for the reading and already really the preaching of this word, and may we apply it to our hearts and minds this morning so that we can love you, serve you, and glorify you with our lives the way you call us to in our daily walk. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, this was a very traumatic moment. This was a shocking moment. The Jesus that they had left everything for has been crucified. He has been arrested and tried and crucified. And now what's going to happen to the body? Normally, a crucified body would just be taken out to the landfill and thrown into the pit especially if it was a crucified criminal, there would be no proper burial. There would be no preparation. There would be no one to care. But what Luke wants us to see is that there is good in the midst of this darkness. There is light in the midst of this. There are people still waiting, and there are people still caring, and there are people still uh, loving so, so what I want us to, to do in this traumatic, dark, awful moment. Let's do what Mr. Rogers said that his mom used to say when something horrible would happen in society. She would say, now, now wait, she would say, look at the helpers. <laughs> there are some people responding to evil with good. There are some people responding to injustice with grace. So why does Luke want us to notice Joseph of Arimathea? The women who are following at a distance. Because they stand out like stars in the night at the burial scene of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to belabor this, but there are some verbs, that, some action words that I want to give us this morning that just tie this all together for me and for us. Because we've got to remember, they don't know that the resurrection is coming. 
they really do think that this is the end. Yet they are still behaving in a way that is faithful and, and, and honored by God. So what do we see them doing? We see them waiting. We see them caring. We see them preparing. We see them resting. And we see them obeying. And if you want to know what you and I are called to do between the already and the not yet of the kingdom work that's still going on as we await the return of Christ, you and I are called daily to continue to wait and care and prepare and rest and obey. In other words, what I see in Joseph and the women are what we are called to be in the, in, in the place we find ourselves in, in the course of salvation history. Mind you, these may be, and, and, and I've, I've read this, you may have heard this before, there's a big difference between what's called resume qualities and eulogy qualities. Now, a resume characteristic would be, he went to so-and-so schools, He worked at so-and-so jobs. He had this. He had that. He was known how out in the public like so-and-so. Those are what we might call resume qualities. But isn't it interesting that at funerals and at eulogies, what's talked about are not qualities that you and I might put on our resume, but are qualities that we express in our lives that reveal how we cared for God and people. Big difference at funerals between resume qualities and eulogy qualities. Now, I stole that from a guy named David Brooks, who is a writer. You can Google the, the, the article. Um, excellent, excellent article on that. But anyway, I only bring that up because I thought of that because here, here are some eulogy qualities. Now, number one, Joseph of Arimathea is waiting for the kingdom of God. In a world of hurry and in a world of impatience, he's waiting on God. God is at the center of his life. He seeks first his kingdom and his righteousness. He prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This means he was faithful to God's covenant and experienced its blessings. He was faithful to God's covenant and experience its blessing. He's waiting. He's hoping. He's trusting. He's, he's looking. The Bible tells us over and over and over, wait on the Lord. Let your heart take courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Luke's gospel began with two people who were also waiting on the Lord. Simeon and Anna. At the very beginning, and now Joseph, Nicodemus, the women here at the end. Here's a takeaway. The kingdom of God cannot be buried. It cannot be done away with. It cannot be silenced. It cannot be kept down. God's rule will continue and live and reign forever, even when it seems to be hidden and gone. Waiting for the kingdom. The second action Verb is caring. What he's doing is caring for the body of Christ. 
He's caring for the body of Christ in a world that's just apathetic. I read a quote one time at a funeral home, that, and I'm going to read that to you. Show me the manner in which a nation cares for its dead, and I will measure with a mathematical exactness the tender mercy of its people, their respect for the law of the land, and their loyalty to high ideals. That's William Gladstone. In other words, you can tell a lot about a culture by how they handle the dead. When I thought about this passage, caring for the body of Jesus, I've got notated in the margins of my Bible the date 6 13 18, 2018. And then I've got the name Tommy Stutch written beside that date. That's the date that I preached Tommy Stutch's funeral. And those of you who know Tommy Stutch know that he was uh, ran Stutch's funeral home and just cared for many families and literally many bodies through the years. And when Tommy passed, at his funeral service, this is the text that I used because I thought Tommy Stutz was kind of like Joseph of Arimathea in how he cares for bodies at a sacred and holy time. Tommy cared. And you could tell by his love and his sacrifice and just how he carried himself. It matters. Now, people might have thought, well, what's, what's he doing here? Have you ever been to a funeral and you see somebody there and you think to yourself, I wonder what their connection is? What is, what is Joseph's connection to Jesus in that he goes and begs the body of Christ? He takes down the body. What was the connection? Well, he believed and he loved. And he cared. He was willing to become ritually unclean. As I said, to clean this up, to carry him down. This is a dead body. This is a corpse. This is, this is blood and flesh. Taking it down, wrapping it up, laying him in a garden tomb. All of that reveal his love and care for the body of Christ. It's not very hard to make the application for us here. You and I too are called to love and care for the body of Christ. Who's the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. You may say to yourself, well I wasn't there. What involvement do I have? Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. So here they are, waiting for the kingdom of God, caring for the body of Christ. The, the other thing I see is they're preparing for worship. It was preparation day. In a world of avoidance, in a world of dread, in a world of looking for something to get away with or to get out of, they're looking for something to give. They go home, they go home and get ready. 
they get ready believing that this is the end, that his body is... And so when they go to the tomb on resurrection morning, they are carrying these spices with them, and they wonder, who's going to roll away the stone? These women have been following all the way from Galilee. And here's another thing I noticed. They are last, but Sunday morning they're going to be first. Yet again, we have the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Now here's why they are first on Sunday morning. You want to know why they were first on Sunday morning? Because they were prepared on Friday. Man, there's so much there. As a pastor of churches, let, let me be, the, the people who get here the earliest are those who've been thinking about it all week long. And let me just for the record say, I don't know that I've ever been there first, okay? But I can say I've been preparing all week long. But here's my point. Those who are most ready are those who are most prepared to be there. Let, I mean, let's be real. It's, uh, I heard a famous coach say one time, everybody wants to win. Everybody would say, I want to win. It's the will to prepare that makes the difference, not the will to win. i got to move on. Preparing for worship. The fourth thing is resting on the Sabbath. I'm not going to go into it, but the Sabbath day was so important to them because it was rooted in creation. It's how they were made, and they knew it, that God rested on the seventh day, he rested. And, and, and what happened for them? All this is going on. We just had this, this scene, this darkness, difficulty. But we're going to stop. There's a lot to do. But we're going to stop. We're going to rest. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Busy, busy, busy. My grandfather, who was a preacher, used to say, We're just rushing to judgment day. The Sabbath day was set aside for worship. That's what they were preparing for. It was an act of trust, recognition, and devotion. Rooted in creation and also in their salvation history because they were to remember that it was He who rescued them from slavery in Egypt and had given them their freedom. They rested on the Sabbath. How can you rest at a time like this? Let's look at number five. This is why. They were obeying the commandments. They were obeying the commandments. Luke's gospel began with Zechariah and Elizabeth obeying God's commandments. And it ends with, even though, this, this to me reminded me, do you remember when Job was going through so much suffering and his wife pretty much said to him, why do you keep trusting God? Curse God and die. Just give it up. All this has happened and they're still keeping the commands of God. Are they not done with it all? After seeing the injustice? Of the crucifixion and it all go wrong? No. They're still obeying God. And of course all that sets the stage for what happens 
And we're going to talk about it next week on resurrection morning. So what do we do when it feels like, bear with me here, hope is buried. What is it when love has been buried, when life has been buried, when my, my dreams and my goals have been buried, or literally when someone I love has been buried? What do we do? We do what they were doing at the burial of Jesus. We keep waiting for the kingdom. We keep caring for the body. We keep preparing for worship. We keep resting on the Lord's day. And all this shifted to the first day of the week because of the resurrection, which is proof for the resurrection, but we'll do that next week. And then, and then keep, keep obeying. Keep denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. We ought to see here that when it's buried, God is still working. God is still moving. But you got to go low as he went low before you can walk and be raised to new life. And Paul says that, buried with him in baptism to be raised to new life. He wants us to think buried, buried, resurrected. Now let's take the Lord's Supper. But before we do, Let's think about something, okay? The whole Bible. Just take one second. At the beginning of the Bible, the fall of man began with what? Man taking from a tree. Okay? Follow, follow me here. Man taking from a tree out of disobedience, ingratitude, and rebellion. They, 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 they took something from a tree and it created alienation and a curse and the fall and the wages of sin is death. And then I already told you at the birth of Jesus, we had, we had her taking the baby and, and, and wrapping him. And, and then at the death of Jesus, we have Joseph of Mary. He, he, listen, follow, he takes the body of Jesus. And he takes the blood of Jesus. Because on that cross, to make sure he was dead, they broke his legs. He had to die before sundown. Broke his legs and put a spear in his side. When Joseph went to the cross, he took the body and the blood of Jesus into his life. And this morning, what we're about to do to drive this home we're about to take the body of Christ. We're about to take the blood of Christ. Symbolically, of course, but, but we're about to remember Jesus. And I don't know about you, but it, it helps me to take this a little more seriously and, and a little more, a little deeper and a, a little more into my heart if I, if I picture what Joseph of Arimathea must have been feeling when he took the body of Christ and took the blood of Christ and what that meant for him personally and then took that body and put it in that tomb. Well, we do so with humility, don't we? But then we do so with joy. 
Because we know what comes next. And Jesus said, in the kingdom to come, you will continue to remember me and my body and my blood, which was for you, that gives new life. Father, help us this morning to take reverently and in humility, knowing the price and the cost. But also to take joyfully and gratefully, knowing the joy of the resurrection which is coming. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask our deacons to come forward as we will, as we've done for many months now, take communion once a month. But this time, we're going back to the old ways, okay? So I'm grateful for Jeff and Crystal and their preparation, to use that word, for what we are about to receive. Um, so just a, a refresher, we're going to serve first the, the plates of bread. You personally take that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're a disciple, a follower of Christ, take a And then they're going to bring the bread plates back and then we're going to serve the cups separately after and I'll lead us in taking the cups uh, and then they'll bring that back. I only say this because we haven't done it quite like this in quite some time pre-COVID so we're grateful to be, uh, to, to be going back. So I'm going to ask Todd Hanley if he would to ask God's blessing on our, our time of communion. Thank you.
Paul writes to the Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty three. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." And they did eat. Also. There's a peace I've come. Oh, 
sorrow, no more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings before my God, fall on my knees and rise. I will After supper, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they did drink. Amen. Thanks be to God for the sacrifice and the life of Jesus Christ. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until, until he comes. Let's stand and sing how deep the Father's love for us is our hymn of invitation. And I was closing him, how, how much he loves us. Amen. Father's love for 